Amen. Good morning. How many of you like waiting? Or how many of you are good at waiting? I must confess, I'm not so good most of the time at waiting. Living in Central Asia for many years, we had to wait. Uh, I learned to wait in ways that I never thought possible because, uh, yeah, it's hurry up and wait was the motto there in Central Asia where everything involved a lot of red tape, a lot of, if you invited someone over for dinner at six, it could be seven or eight or nine, who knows when they would come over, but there was always waiting involved. This is a season of waiting. And one of the reasons we, we observe Advent um, is, is to focus our minds, our attention on this season of waiting. Focused waiting is what it's all about. And um, Israel waited centuries for the coming of the Messiah. And um, the church, we celebrate and remember the coming of Jesus Christ, his first coming. We also are waiting for his second coming. So a lot of this uh, process of just of, of observing Advent is focusing our waiting because God is faithful to his promises. He keeps his promises. It says in the scriptures, he, in the Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And God does everything in the fullness of his time. And so these, this um, little wreath down here with the candles, it just represents some themes that we're going to observe starting today and um, the first one being today expectation expectation then we'll move on next week into hope and then after that joy and then after that love and we'll just focus on that to help focus our attention on what we really are waiting for well, I have I've had kids now I have a grandson and and we watch our kids waiting anxiously for, for Christmas. Maybe you're waiting anxiously for Christmas. Maybe you're waiting anxiously to start a new year because this one's been really hard. And you're looking for a new chapter, a new, a new year. Whatever that is you're waiting for, let's do it purposely. Let's do it with focus. Let's focus our waiting. And so we're going to have uh, Tom and Kathy Ryan come up and help us with this. Coming up, you guys. morning. So this scripture reading uh, this morning comes from Isaiah 9, 2, 6, and 7. Um, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Good morning, church family. This morning we light the first Advent candle. The light of the flame symbolizes the illumination of Jesus the Messiah in our lives. The disciple John tells us Jesus Christ is light. In him there is no darkness at all. This Christmas season, let the light of Jesus the Messiah shine out of darkness. Let his light shine into our hearts so that we may have the knowledge of the glory of God. And now pray with us. 
Heavenly and gracious Lord, may your incredible blessing be upon all of us this Christmas season. Let your light shine upon our lives, driving out the darkness around us. May the joyful good news of Jesus and his coming transform our lives and give us hope for when he comes again in his power. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Love you. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Bless you, sir. Amen. God's good. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let me just say this while my buddies bring up my iPad. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let me... um, uh, just encourage you, uh, we really, it was a blessing to go Tuesday down and see Pastor Jack as, uh, as I was praying um, and I've been writing this lesson out and really going in advance and actually, as I said last week, uh, putting this into a teaching syllabus, uh, the whole thing on the Holy Spirit completely and the church and spiritual gifts and uh, really, uh, and I don't know why, how I started it, but it uh, just in uh, what the Lord had put on my heart, but we're thinking in this holiday season, everything we think about is gifts, and we receive gifts, and the greatest gift that we have received is the Holy Spirit. God has given them to us. In fact, if you go to the book of Acts, we won't look at this scripture, but in in the book of Acts, Philip is down preaching at Samaria, and, uh, you know, uh, Simon is coming after they received the Holy Spirit, and he says to Peter and John, he says, here's money, and he tries to buy the ability Uh, to be able to get people baptized with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Peter says, uh, may you and your money perish to think that you could buy the gift of God with money. So the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. And it's the greatest treasure that we have in our life is relationship with God in and through His Spirit. Amen? And so we're really diving into this in depth. And I'm encouraging you. In fact, I'm going way back to about 1984 and dealing with this and some of my teaching notes on this. My pastor wrote a 35-page outline on this. And uh, a lot of my inspiration for my outlines, and that comes from him. I'm going retro. He taught with the blackboard. So in honor to my pastor, I'm doing that a little bit in in honor to him. But it helps us in that other area of of just seeing and hearing, amen, together and do engage a few of our, all of our faculties, we retain a little bit more. But I would encourage you in this, maybe to, uh, as you walk through this series with us, we already have ideas and concepts about who the Holy Spirit is, how God works. Uh, people have ideas, well, you know, the Spirit really moved in that service. And many times we have that based upon what we, we have an interpretation of what it means when the Holy Spirit shows up. Are you with me? And dealing with that. So uh, I would just encourage you just to maybe set some of that aside. Have some fresh ears to hear and be open and let God speak to you. And saying all that with Pastor Jack, as I was there, I just felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me to do something on Tuesday other than just to send a message. We're praying for you. So it's easy to tell people you're praying for them. It's better. You know, it's kind of like James says, you know, be blessed when you have the ability to bless somebody. 
So I just felt the Lord say to do that. We contacted them. What they said, if we would bring gift cards, that helped. He says, we have enough socks. We could use some food and some other things. So we gave them Safeway gift cards that allows them to buy food and gas and uh, take care of some of their necessities. And uh, out of that, a a sister church of ours in Reading uh, came alongside, asked what we did, and said, we will do the same thing. So they ended up getting $7,000 in gift cards for the church. And uh, yeah, amen. So it sounds like a lot, but just put it in perspective, 12,600 homes lost. That's 12,600 families that didn't sit around tables this year like we did. All those other things you just think about. We have families right here in our church that family members have lost their homes and that and how it just affected everything and so how that is. But then I saw a video of Pastor Jack and just being with him was so encouraging. And uh, But at the end of the video, it's of him walking up and surveying the property there and they flew a drone over it. The very end of the video, he just says this. He says, I, I choose not to be a victim. He says, God knew this was going to happen, so we are not victims, but we choose to be victorious in Christ. Amen. And to rise up. And God has a future. He has better and everything. So they're just looking forward to the future. And so I just really love and respect him for that. And uh, just another real quick note. We won't have much time for the message this morning and that. So you get the abbreviated version. And, uh, but in that, we'll cover some territory that the Lord has for us. But uh, we're, have a, a, our Christmas program will be on December 16th, and it's going to be The Light Has Come is going to be the title of our Christmas program, and that we're going to have our children involved in those areas and some things that we're doing, some testimonies. But just think about it. When, as soon as people start decorating for Christmas, what's the first thing they put up on their house? Light. Well, they put a tree in there. Hopefully, they don't put a tree on their house, but they put, they, uh, they put lights on their house. We go around. We look at the lights. It's all about the light, and Jesus is called the light of the world that he comes in, and so he is the great light of the world, and uh, so we're going to be celebrating the light of God that's come to us. Amen? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and uh, we're going to read from there in a minute. But before we dive into this this morning, David, you have our scripture, our, our confession? Hallelujah. Did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I am empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you in these next few moments. You will move in each and every one of our lives with fresh and clear understanding and truth. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be the teacher. Bring your clarity and your understanding and your truth to bear in our lives. In Jesus' name, somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, our goal is, in, in doing this, and last week we tried to show you some areas and walk through. If you missed that, I encourage you, you can go to our Facebook page or you can go to our YouTube channel. And just type the church's name in there, and we post the, the videos that we make. They edit them, put those up, or on the website you can listen to the podcast. But last week we laid a foundation for you, and the main part of this is, is that we are called to be a people of the Spirit. And what we've learned, we, we can learn how to do church naturally, but we were never supposed to be natural people. 
And part of the introduction to this whole lesson, and, and when it will be in the book, it talks about this, with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, when Jesus left and, and, and uh, after the resurrection, the Bible says that the disciples just went back to their boats. They went back to what they do naturally. And when we don't understand the things of the Spirit, we don't know how to walk in the Spirit or live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, we go back to doing just what comes natural. And, and we do nice things for the Lord, but that doesn't mean that we're really being the church that he ordained us to be. So I want you to think about some of these terms. Pardon my handwriting. This is just for visual so you pay attention while I'm talking to you. <laughs> Amen. But we're called to walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, be taught by the Spirit. He's our teacher. And John said an interesting thing on the Isle of Patmos, Revelation chapter 1. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And so I would just ask you this morning, when's the last time we really thought about what those terms mean? When's the last time you just really knew you were in the Spirit? Just you in the Spirit. Did I know that? When do I know that I'm walking in the Spirit? How do I know that I'm praying in the Spirit with the Spirit? And so these are all real distinctions that belong to our life. This relationship we have with God is a spiritual relationship. And church is supposed to be more than just listening to sermons. It's not about sermonizing. Paul said this, we, we want teaching, we want clarity, we want understanding, but we need the presence and the power of God in our life. Paul said it like this, I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. I came to you in the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, just in the words of men, but in the power of God. We're supposed to be a people who have faith in the power of God. Can you say Amen. And so in that standpoint, Paul said also, he says, I'm going to come back to you in Corinth there. And when I come, there are people who are all puffed up saying that, that I'm not an apostle, I'm not there. He says, I'm not going to know their words. I'm going to know their power. And he said, the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in power. And so there's a power that belongs to us, and that power is in the presence of God. And that's where we're supposed to live. So when we ask ourselves, man, what, what does it really mean? Am I being led? Sean says, you know, <clears throat> all those that say, Lord, Lord, won't enter the kingdom, but as many as I do, that do the will of the Father. Well, that means that I have to be led by the Spirit to know that I'm in the will of God. I'm walking in His will, that He's taught me what His will is. And so all those things are available to us. So look at your outline. I don't have time to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with you, but it's there. But it basically says this, and I just want to cover this first point. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So God gives to every person who comes to Christ, every person who is born again, the promise of God is that you would be given the manifestation of His Spirit. And then he goes on to list in there, in your outline, the nine gifts of the Spirit. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning the Spirit, tongues, interpretation, prophecy. I have them out of order. Faith, gift, miracle. All those things working in our life, healing, miracle, working in our life. But for you and I, that is the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to you. He has nine distinctions on how he manifests himself. And then it ends saying that he gives to each one individually as he wills. And so the gift or the manifestation of the Holy Spirit works according to his will in our life. What we do is we have this great capacity for shrinking God. 
We come up with the idea, well, and we say, my gift is. I've had people tell me over there, my gift is this, my gift is that. Well, God didn't say he gave you a gift. He said he gave you the manifestation that is expressed in nine different gifts. So what God has given you is the manifestation of himself or the expression of himself through your life, and it can come in any of nine different ways. Are you with me? And so when we shrink God down into just one working one way in our life, we have just limited God. And so we don't want to do that. Say, God, I want to take the limits. I want to believe you to do whatever is needed in my life. Amen? For whatever the need is. But he says he does that to make you a blessing to someone else. The problem is with church today is that we have been consumerized. And I shared last week when I used the coat as an example, and people come, they tried on the coat, it was too big for, for some, it was too small for others, and using my coat as an example, and people are looking for a God that fits their life where they are. Looking for a church that fits their life. Do you have this? Do you have that? This is what I want. If I put your church on, will it fit my life where I am? I really like my life, don't want to change my life, I just want to keep it. I just know I need God, and I need to do something that kind of acknowledges God in my life. So I'll go to a church as long as it fits my life and doesn't change my life. And so, but we, so we kind of shop for God like that. Do you have this program? Do you have that program? Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have that? Oh, they have this. Oh, they have that. Oh, hey, cool, cool, cool. This isn't the mall. This is the house of God. Amen. And so when we go there, but very few people ever ask this question. Does God ever manifest himself in your midst? Does God ever show up when you meet? That should be the, that's the only thing I care about. I love the program. I'm glad we got animals painted on the wall. I'm glad we got cool room. I'm glad we got toys in there for the kids. I'm glad we got all the different stuff. All the, I'm glad this is conditioned space. I'm glad you have soft places to rest your dairy air on this morning. We, are so, we were so thoughtful about you. We could have bought 18-inch chairs. We bought 22-inch wide chairs. We wanted you to be able to grow in the Lord. Amen. We wanted you to be relaxable. We, didn't, we wanted to make sure you didn't feel like you were being forced to sit too close. to Whatever. So thank God we have all that. But none of that matters if God doesn't show up. If God doesn't manifest himself, then we miss the whole area. See, the early church had an understanding about spiritual gift that much of modern Pentecost has missed. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 read like a mystery. To modern day Pentecostal believers, we can ask ourselves, when was the last time we experienced anything that resembled what we read about in 1 Corinthians 14? Yet these are the instructions given by Paul to the church as a guideline for proper conduct in their services. Let's just read a couple of verses. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Let everything be done unto edifying. The theme of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is that somebody else would be edified through your life. Is that others would be built up, strengthened, and encouraged by God flowing through your life. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to you to edify, to profit, to benefit somebody else. And if the church ever goes through a paradigm shift where I'm not coming to get a blessing, where I'm not coming going, well, you know what? I didn't get anything out of that service. Well, probably because you didn't sow anything into it. 
Because if I'm just coming to receive instead of give, you, you don't receive without sowing. But if I'm coming and I'm praying, say, oh, God, use me today. Let me be a blessing in somebody's life. Father, let the church be edified. I'm a part of a body. Let edification, let somebody be strengthened, somebody encouraged, somebody comforted today by you flowing through my life. And I just desire to be a blessing. And when we begin to live that way, it changes the way we view things. Then we're excited about going. It makes a difference if I miss a service. Amen. And that's what happened. Because we've taken God out. We've unlearned these things. We don't think it makes any difference. Well, it doesn't matter where if I show up or not. Yes, it does. It's vitally important that we assemble ourselves together. Can you say amen? So he says, we all have that. Look at verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most. Each in turn, let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak. I mean, there's supposed to be prophets in the church. That's exciting, amen? And let the others judge. That means there's others. So you get two and then more. So there's a whole gaggle of prophets in the church. Glory to God. That's awesome. Amen. And let the others judge. But if anything else is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn, that all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophet. For God is not an author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Praise the Lord. And so Paul gives this great instruction. I won't read about women. I read that in first service and they offered to buy me a ticket on the bullet train to Fresno. Amen. So I'll skip down, <laughs> all right, to verse 37. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that, one, that the things I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Listen to what Paul said. I'm writing to you the commandments of the Lord that the church is supposed to be a spiritual church with the Holy Spirit manifest in its midst. And when you come together, the members have the presence of God and the gifts of God operating through their life. And we're edifying ourselves in love. Are you with me this morning? So at the beginning, we gave you on this, uh, and we talked about last week, about we being people of God's voice, and God begins to speak to man. God up here as spirit begins to speak into the hearts of his people. You are born again, and God fills you with the spirit. He breathes again his life in you, and you become a living being. And once again, we are people of the voice. And as I said last week, God always speaks to your spirit. He never speaks to your head. He speaks to your spirit. But we're supposed to be people of the spirit who live by his voice and, and are led. All this take, takes place in our spirit, not in our heads. We're not figuring this out. We're living out of this. And many times to be in the spirit, it means that I go inward, not outward. Are you with me? That, that my attention, I begin to look inward into the Holy Spirit. The life of God is in me. God lives in me. So I'm not trying to reach God outside. God, when, I, when you're born again, he places his life, his spirit on the inside of you. So God now dwells in you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost, Paul tells us. So he's dwelling on the inside of you, and now we live out of here. So God is operating out of you. Jesus said, out of your innermost being flow rivers of living water. So this amazing gift of God begins to flow out of us of rivers of living water. And to operate in this area, all of this is happening below our brain. What happens is we try to figure this out, but God speaks into here, and out of this 
understanding will begin to come up, and in here, then we'll have the renewing of our minds. Amen? And we allow God to work. But if you're trying to figure God out in your head and then have him flow through your life, it'll never work. God works by his wisdom, not by our understanding. And when I accept his wisdom, he brings clarity to my understanding. Are you with me? So think about that. What happens, though, is that Adam and Eve heard the voice of God. They sin. They run and hide from God. You can see it in your outline here. When a man's heart is not right with God, he hides from his voice. Jesus came to cleanse and to heal our heart so that we would no longer live in fear and hide from the voice of God in our life. He came so our fellowship with God could be restored and we could walk with him in the cool of the day, hearing his voice and not feeling naked and exposed, but covered and clothed in the righteousness of his blood. Adam and Eve hid because they were guilty and they knew their choices had caused a breach in their relationship with God. But God is calling to them and he's asking them, where are you? God is always calling us into reconciliation with him. He created you to be with him. You were created for him and for fellowship with him. And that's where he wants you. So then we come to the church. The church was to correct these problems and to bring God into the now of men's life. But first a change has to take place inside of man. First Peter 1 tells us this change begins with the new seed sown into the soil of a man's heart. A living seed that produces new life. So you're here and, and the world is here. Man is out here and, and man is lost without God. But then we hear the word faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word. So we hear the word of God. We believe the word and that life is sown in us. And we become this now a spiritual being. God breathes again his breath into our lives. And we begin to live out of our spirit. And John, Jesus told Nicodemus, it is the living seed that produces the new birth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says this new birth produces a new nature. So you and I are created to live out of this new nature. We're supposed to be living from here. This new nature is inside. You're still the old guy. That's why people don't understand ministry. Hey, Ben. Because I'm just Don with a gift. You're just you with the gift. And if I operate by the gift, you go, oh, wow. But if I operate by me, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's different. Everybody been here for a while. You know, how many know Don? <laughs> that's why you hear me say, I'm just not that saved yet. I'm a work in progress. Amen. So watch it. But this new nature, once again, is made a conformable to the presence of God. Man is now clothed in righteousness. In the righteousness of God in Christ. No longer exposed in the nakedness of his transgression. What does that mean? When you're born again, God does it. He sees you. How many remember in the Old Testament, the Lord said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. And they would come in on the day of atonement. And, 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 and the law was in the Ark of the Covenant. And the mercy seat had this, has this little... Uh, uh, table on top of it and they pour the sacrificial blood so that when God looks down on the day of atonement he doesn't judge the nation of Israel by the law that he sees because he can't see through the blood of atonement 
And so the blood says that, that I'll pass over and I'll forego my judgment because of the blood. I will withhold my judgment. Then when Jesus came, God is no longer holding off the judgment, but now he has washed us and cleansed us by his blood. Amen? And you are now clothed with the righteousness of God and he separated you from your sin. But then this new spiritual nature is to be joined with other members or believers creating a kingdom called the church. The body of Christ in the earth. A glorious church because it is alive in the spirit. The church is to be alive with his spirit. It's not supposed to be an organization. People say, oh, I don't like organized religion. I don't either. I like a living church. We weren't called to be organized religion. We're called to be the body of Christ. So let me represent it to you like this. God says, I have a body in the earth. And this is called my church. And so when you get saved, we find out God says that he sets us in the body. And so the church is made up of all these little bodies in here. And people say, I don't like organized church because of the people that are in it. So I'm going to come up with a concept of my own little religion, and all I need is my faith and just me and God, and I'm good. But God says this. See, history gives us account about the kingdom, uh, man's kingdom. Then they've reached all around the world, but the Bible describes God's kingdom as this is a body. Look at for, in your outline, 1 Corinthians 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So this is the body of Christ in the earth. God says, I have a body in the earth. And Jesus is the head of the church. And you and I are members of his body in particular. Read on with me. Whether Jews or Greek, for, for, for God is many members, but all the members of one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into this one body. We are all baptized into this one body. Immersed in that. To be baptized is to be, is to be placed in. You're baptized in water. You're placed in the water. In Christ, you're baptized into the body of Christ. He doesn't leave you out here floating around as Joe individual. If your name is Joe here, I'm not talking Joe Penzikas here. I'm not talking about you, bro. You're awesome. Amen. Watch this. Your name is Billy Bob, okay? doesn't leave you out there. Watch this. Where's Billy Bob? Oh, I'm sorry. All right. So look what he said, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. The body is not one member, it is many. And every person that gets saved, but this is what we've done because we're in a consumer society. We're in it's all about me society. We think that all I have to do to get saved, all I have to do is read my own Bible. All I have to do is have my own devotional life. All I have to do is be good before God and it'll all be all right. But Sean read that scripture. Many will say, Lord, didn't I do all these great things? Well, you never did. Now why? Depart from me, you workers, for you, I only do, only those who do the will of my Father. Now what? So it says here that the Holy Spirit puts us in the body. So God says, I'm supposed to be in a body, but I don't want to do that. 
I want to do my own thing. So my own thing that's not connected to his body is my thing, not his thing. So now I come back to here, am I being led by the Spirit? No, I'm being led by my own idea because I don't want to be changed. I don't want to live out of my spirit. I want to live out of my mind, my will, and my emotions. And my emotions, I've been offended by some of these people in here. And emotionally, I don't like being around them. I have an attitude about them. And so I have all this justification in my mind, but I'm violating my spirit. Are we doing all right? Well, it's only Sunday morning, day after Thanksgiving, Sunday after Thanksgiving. Glory to God. Watch this. So, from, so look at Ephesians 4 says this, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supply. God ordained when he baptizes you into the body. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I have to jump there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. God sets you in the body. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So when you're saved, when you're born again, immediately you are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And God sets you there just as he pleased. And when I'm set there, being set there by him means that that's where I fit and I function to my fullest potential in Christ. It's not where I want to be. Well, I want to be. I think I should be. I should be there. No, God said, I, I set you right here. Because first of all, this isn't about you. Listen to me. You live in a society that tells you everything is about you. It's your emotions, your feelings. How, do you, how does that make you feel? God never comes up. Hey, you feeling me? Does that, are you okay with that? Do you feel okay with that? You know, I'd like to set you over here in, in my body, and I'd like you to do that. Does that feel okay to you? Or is, is, there, is there another place? Would, would you like me? Oh, that's not, I have another option over here. How's that with you? No, I'm really interested in that either, you know. Have anything else? Maybe I could, you know. I says, No. <laughs> See, God has no problem with saying no to his kids. That's a whole other lesson right there. Amen. <laughs> so watch this. So that's why it's called the body of Christ. Then, so here we are. We're setting it. This new nature is changed and equipped for kingdom purpose or for body operation. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says that, that don't go out. Don't begin to operate as a church until you're endued with power. What he means is God never intended to have any kind of church except a spiritually charged church or a church empowered by his spirit. God has to keep working in this area because man's religious nature wants to discard this energizing because it cannot be made religious. Man loves religion. Look at all the religions of the world. Man loves religion. We make them up on a regular basis. And then we build edifices to them, and it's all in the name of God. But God never shows up in that place. He never manifests himself there. See, spiritual power is like a charge in a battery. It depletes with use and must be recharged. Today, you can go buy a car battery, and it's already pre-charged and ready for use. But it must be connected to the source of power. In order, We must be connected to the source of power for our lives to remain charged to full capacity. Because life places demand on the power. If you put your car battery in the car, and the alternator isn't working, your battery will work for a little bit. 
but you're gonna run, it's going to be drained of its power. Ephesians 5.18 in the Amplified says that like this. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The Amplified says, ever be being filled with the Spirit. But see, we never ask the questions. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Ever be being filled with the Holy Spirit? Ever be letting the energizing power of the Holy Spirit fill you and work in you? As God begins to work through your life, we're going to get Fred saved here and get him, or Billy Bob, whoever he is, we'll get him over here. But God says, let my Spirit flow through you. As it's flowing out, there's other that flows in. God says, you're not a reservoir. He says, you are a river. My life in you is like a river. It's a living river, a river of life that flows through you. So the source is God. The river begins here, flows through you, but it's to flow out of you to others. Are you doing all right? But we have to desire that. We have to stir ourselves up to that. Think about it. The body has... The body is made workable. The human body has three basic functions. Think, communicate, and do. The body of Christ is to worship, evangelize, and to teach. And we're to do that by the Spirit. See, we're going to, get in, we're going to cover everything on this. With this. The first two lessons are just the introduction. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all these different areas, praying in the Spirit. But when I desire to be used by God, the only way I know how to prepare myself is praying in the Spirit. I don't know how anybody else does it. But I just pray in the Spirit. And I look inwardly to the Holy Spirit who is in me. Paul, Paul said it like this. Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Acknowledge there's a gift in you. Timothy, stir it up. There's a gift in you. And so you begin to pray in the Spirit. You, begin to, you just begin to stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. And, and, and you get your focus, your attention out of your head and into your spirit. You begin praying in the Holy Ghost. And we'll find out literally that means. Why, why, let me just put you like this. And, and as we started this, why is the Holy Spirit such a controversial issue in the church? People divide. Whole groups of people are divided over the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? God's gift to men, God's chosen expression of himself. Well, I don't believe he does this. I don't believe he does that. I'm, I believe God does whatever he said he did. Amen. Amen. We just take God at his word. But people will divide. People will fight over. People will excommunicate people out of their families over it. I mean, this gets down. But, but why? Because this is one thing that the devil doesn't want in the earth. The devil doesn't want God getting into the lives of people, people believing God and allowing him to flow through him because he has no power and no authority here. Everything Jesus did, he says, all power and authority is given unto me and I'm sending you. And while God has been, we read it last week, the same way the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And the devil says, man, if this guy ever gets over here, if he ever gets out of his mind and gets rid of his ugliness, his bitterness, his resentment and gets over here and allow God to set him where he belongs. He becomes a part of the body. I can't stop it and he does damage to my kingdom. So he says the one thing the devil doesn't want is the body assembled together with the life of the spirit with Jesus as the head and functioning in the earth with manifest power. Are you doing all right? So Bill, if you'll come back please. 
See, the members of the body are given, here again, I jumped ahead, but the members are given set places by the Holy Spirit, but they must be equipped and made workable. The ears are made to hear, the eyes are made to see, the arms are made to be mighty to do, but all by spiritual gift. Listen to what Paul said, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. And then he goes on and says, God, that, that we're baptized into that body. So the Holy Spirit working in it, and he gives us, he gives us set places. But he gives set places, not according to my abilities, my, but a set place where his manifestation works through my life. That he has a place where I, a place where I'm set, that I edify the body. And, and I live saying, God, show me how to edify your church. How to cause the body to be whole. Amen? And so that happens. Because the church without spiritual gifts is like ears that don't hear and eyes that don't see. The final step comes in Ephesians 2. And I'll read it to you. It says this. Ephesians chapter 2. I went to Colossians, I went too far. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. For through Christ, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. We're going to touch on that, on the Trinity of God also. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members. Everybody say members. So I'm no longer a stranger. I'm a member and a citizen of the household of God. But God says his house, his church, is his body. That's a church. It's a spiritual body. Look what it says. Members of the household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, the whole building, joined and fitly framed together, watch it, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together, watch this, for a habitation of God by His Spirit. So God says, when you come together, you become this mighty spiritual house. Let me just interject here. When God speaks of the church and the earth, He calls us one man. When God speaks of Israel, the house of Jacob, Jacob was renamed Israel. Are you with me? All of Israel is seen by God in one man. God is not dealing with the nation of individuals. He's dealing with Israel as one man. And God is not dealing with you as individuals. He's dealing with the church as one man, the church is one man, is Christ in the earth. 
God's not dealing with any other man. So, Bubba, you can come out here and live out here in your little spiritual bubble with your little ideas and concepts about God, your offenses and your hurt, and, and allow the enemy to sift you. But God doesn't work individually. And every time he pulls you, he tries to pull you back in. Amen. And I'll put you like this. I, Ray and I were driving to Chico. I'll close with this. And we begin talking about different things. And the problem with church is, is church is a relationship just like marriage. It's like marriage. This is how church works. The ministry of Christ is masculine. What God calls us to be is feminine. We're the bride. The church is the bride. And so they come together in unity and trust. And when the masculine and the feminine come together, the purpose of them coming together is to produce new life. And then when you have new life and that, the church begins to grow and all these things begin to happen. And then the enemy gets in here and things happen. And then we go through these crazy things called church splits or whatever, or different things happen. And we get this division. Paul says that there'd be no division amongst you. But we go through that. And the experience becomes like going through a divorce. Relationships are broken. Things happen. And then people go, oh, that, that was too emotional. So what happens is, what happens is, people don't want to commit to that full relationship yet, but they're, they're, they're willing to come in, but they just kind of want to be shack up churchgoers. I, I just want to, I live together, but I don't really want to commit to that full, make that full commitment again. So people come together and they live together because they're afraid of the full commitment to give their whole life to somebody, to exchange vows with one another, to commit to be there for life or for death because of maybe the experience of failure in the past. So what we have, we have people that will live together. They, they don't mind living together in the body of Christ. But, but I don't know if I really want to commit to be married again. We're doing all right. And so then, what we're producing, we allow a spirit of illegitimacy to come into the body. Am I going way too deep this morning? And so in this area, but so how do we get healed? We come back and we let God heal the brokenness of our hearts. And we are able to be restored and brought back into fellowship and say, God, I can forgive again. I will love again. And I'll tell you, I'll just tell you from experience, everything in the natural, God gave us Mary. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, and he says they're talking to a husband and a wife. He says, I'm not talking to you about Mary. I'm talking to you about the church. The church is like a marriage between a husband and a wife. And I said this, when, when, when I lost my relationship with Sean's mom and I lost my son, this is what I said. I said, I will never let anybody get close enough to me again to hurt me like that again. So I went into self-preservation mode. And maybe you're here today. I'm sorry if you've been hurt in church. I'm sorry there's people in the church. Just grow up and get over it. But then I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to live my life sheltered and closed off because of pain in my past. So then I got saved, and all the blame I was putting over there, God showed me, Bubba, that was all your fault. You need to just fess up and deal with it. You caused that. So I own blame. I literally had to call Sean's mom up and apologize years later. I said, Kathy, I'm sorry. I said, I failed. And I asked her to forgive me. 
And then I say, God, I, I don't want to do that again. But I want a marriage. And I want a family. And I want life. And I want restoration for my son. And so I just said, I'll learn to love the way you want me to love. And the only way I could do that is open up and be completely vulnerable again. The only way to really love is you have to expose yourself to being hurt, to being used, to being mis mistrusted and everything. You can only live by being completely vulnerable. You can't love closed off. You can only love fully open. So I said, I'll love again. I want to love again. So through that, God gave me my wife, Sue. So now 39 years later, we're still in love. Amen. We have our kid. And we produce new life. And we have our children. God's restored our son. He's been in ministry with us for over 20 years now. God is a God of forgiveness and restoration. But if I don't allow God by His Spirit to heal me, I'll miss out on the forgiveness and the restoration of God. And now we're a part of this family. And our family is like the family of God of producing the next generation. Are you listening to me this morning? But something has to happen in our lives. We have to desire it. The Holy Spirit can only do so much for us. The rest comes out of our desire. Let me just put it to you like this. The cool thing about the Holy Spirit is this, and even in church, we live in a place where we're compared to each other so much. Look like this, act like this, be like this, dress like this, everything. And then we're always being compared, so we never feel adequate in ourselves. This is what God said. God said, I'll make you a part of my church and I will remove all peer pressure. The church is the safest place in the world to be because there's no peer pressure in the body of Christ. Because God doesn't use anybody. God is not going to use any one of you based upon your gifts, on your abilities. He's going to use you based upon His gifts working through you. Everybody's equal. This is not a competition. Kingdom economic and kingdom structure is not worldly structure. But our minds are so naturally conditioned. We are so conditioned in our minds by this world that it chokes off the flow of God through our lives. God says, this is what I'll do. I'll give to every, to every man, I will give the manifestation of my spirit. And I will cause every person to be a member that brings edification to the whole. Every member. How is it when you come together? Every one of you has something to give. God gives you your greatest value by placing His life and His Spirit inside of you. Would you stand with me this morning? But like I said, it doesn't come easily or by accident. In 1978, I gave my life to the Lord. I went into prayer room at New Life Assembly. I knelt down. I'd lost my marriage. I'd lost my son. The sad part about that is, is that I'd purposed as a result of failures in my dad's life in that my mom and my dad's marriage broke up when I was about two and a half so I grew up my whole life with 
great stepdad and things happening, but my dad never being a dad, but through all that brokenness that comes with divorce, when I got married, I said, I don't want that for my kids. But I wasn't doing the things that produce marriage. I wanted a woman who would conform to me, who would like everything I like, who would do everything I wanted to do. I don't really care about learning anything about her. I just wanted everything to be about me. So we never became one. Never was a giving of myself to her and that. So when all that broke up, I was shattered because what I never wanted my kid to experience, I had brought into their life, my son's life. So when I knelt down to pray, I just said, God, I've messed my whole life. I have nothing to give you. But if you'll take my life, I'll live for you the rest of my life. I'll go wherever you ask me to go. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll be whatever you want me to be. And I'll say whatever you tell me to say. And I just purposed from that moment on, I would live for God. And then I just went on an adventure and said, God, I just want to know you. So I started hearing my pastor teach. I, Father, I just I want to know you. I, I, I want to be used by you, God. You're all I have. I'll live for you. And I found out that when you say yes to God and his purpose for your life, you don't have to chase everything else. God loves us so much that he puts his blessings in your life. You don't have to buy the book, Seven Ways to Get Blessed. Because he blesses you to do his will. God blesses his people. He loves his kids. As much as you love your kids, he loves you. So you find out, God, I'll just live for you. God, use me. Use me somehow to encourage your people. Use me somehow to help somebody else. I'll live for you. Maybe you're here today and I just gave this altar call first service. You can just do church. Or you can say, God, I want to know what it means to walk in the Spirit. I want to know what it means to be led by the Spirit. I want to know what it means to be taught by you. I want to know what it means to be in the Spirit. I want to know you. I want your voice in my life. And you just make a commitment and a vow to God to pursue Him. To lay aside all your thoughts and concepts and just say, God, I just want to know you and walk with you. If you're here and you want to go on this journey with the Holy Spirit, this is a prayer I can't pray for you. I can pray for you, but I can't pray this prayer for you. I had to make my own vow to God. I said, God, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to seek you and serve you the rest of my life. If you're ready to make that kind of step with God and you're just hungry for the things of God, you want the manifestation of His power and His Spirit to flow through your life and you're ready to go on this journey, then I'm asking our church to go with us. See, this is what happened in 
about 1976, my pastor got a revelation on the minstrel and the prophet. And he found out that when the minstrel plays, that it does something, it ushers in the presence of God and it brings a prophetic together. And so he began to teach the church and he said, we're going to change the order of our service. In the old days they did Sunday school from 10 to 11 and then church was 11 to 12 and that. He said, but we're going to turn it around. This is what we're going to do from 10 to 11. I'm going to teach my lesson. And then from 11 to 12, the minstrels are going to pray. And then we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move. And if God doesn't show up, we're going to go home. And so in that 11 o'clock hour, they would just wait on the Holy Spirit. And for 25 years, every service, God showed up. The Holy Spirit would come. He'd bring His voice. He'd bring His presence. And He would speak into our services. And we would just give altar halls off of what He said. I think the church needs to come back to a place where God's allowed to be the head of the body again. Amen? So if you just want to go on this journey with me, say, God, we want to be your church, your body, and the earth. And you just want to make a commitment to the Lord. I'm just going to ask you to step out and come to this altar right now. I know we've gone a couple minutes long. Please, let's just take a moment and say to God, God. I'm just seeking you. I'm saying yes to you. Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. I'm going to seek you. Maybe you just need to say that, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Do whatever you want me to do. Whatever it is, you need to say to God. Just say, Lord, I want to be used by you. I, I, I let go of all my ideas, my concepts. Maybe you're here today and you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you've been through the divorce of church problems and hurt and heartaches. Maybe you've been content just to kind of hang out at church but not really commit because of the pain of the past. You know, I don't, I don't want to be hurt like that again in church. I don't want to go through that. No, you're just willing to say today, you know what, God, I'm going to love again. I want to love again. I want to know what it's like to really be in love with you and in the church and life and fullness. So if that's you in any way, just come.